They said they were going to pull our troops out of Iraq, but it turned out it was just a big mistake. Aw, shucks, just a big whoopsie-daisy. I guess that means more American lives lost. Is it me, or if there were no American troops in Iraq, there'd be no American lives to kill there? Plus, yesterday we asked, are we headed for a war? People are saying we're headed for World War III. But who is really pushing for war? I think we all know who. It's the same ones who always do. So we've got Jesse Kelly here to tell us about that. He's on deck and more. White House Brief begins now. So the U.S. military sent a draft letter to the Iraqi Minister of Defense announcing a troop withdrawal after the Iraqis, they demanded it. But it turns out it was just a big old accident. I mean, any way you slice it, that's not great. Do we have a sponsor today? Of course we do. And it is Bowl and Branch Sheets. Now, I actually do sleep on Bowl and Branch Sheets every night. I wasn't sleeping great for a while, for a lot, long period of time, wasn't having great sleeps. And I thought, man, do I, like, do I really want to invest another couple thousand bucks into a new mattress? No, I invested a small fraction of that into a few pairs of Bowl and Branch sheets, and it changed the quality of my sleep overnight. They are the softest sheets you'll ever sleep on, and it's winter, which means it can get a little frigid at night. So for a limited time, you can get their luxury flannel bedding to keep your cool sleepers warm, and but because they breathe, it will also keep your warm sleepers cool. Best of both worlds. And shipping is always free. You can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. And if you don't like them, send them back. Get your money back. Right now, you get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with promo code WH. Get $50 off at bowlandbranch.com, promo code WH, spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, code WH. All right, so if you haven't heard, there's been some major dramas in the Middle East. Major drama. Our embassy, which as you can see, is not really an embassy, it's more like a fortress, was attacked. And in response, we struck down Qassam Soleimani. You guys know this. We struck down Qassam Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis with a drone at the Baghdad airport. And amid the fallout, Iraqi parliament voted to expel U.S. troops from Iraq. And for a second there, for a brief second in time, I actually thought it was going to happen because it appeared the U.S. military had sent a letter to the Iraqi military announcing the withdrawal of U.S. troops. Sir, the letter read, in due deference to the sovereignty of the Republic of Iraq and as requested by the Iraqi parliament and the Iraqi prime minister, we will be repositioning forces over the course of the coming days and weeks to prepare for onward movement. But hold up, hold up just a second here. Turns out the military mistakenly sent this draft to the Iraqi government. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper told reporters Monday afternoon that there's been no decision made to leave Iraq, period. Guy he doesn't know, guy doesn't know where the letter came from or what it is. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, said the letter was a mistake, an honest mistake. General says the letter was an unsigned draft. Apparently, it was poorly worded and simply meant to discuss repositioning forces, not pulling troops out of the country entirely. My question is, why not? So let's rewind a bit, all right? 2003, 16 years basically since the U.S. invaded Iraq now under Saddam Hussein using this claim. He 
develops weapons of mass destruction. So our troops go on in and stay there for almost a decade to fight the war on terror a term that encompassed a series of military strikes that was supposed to reduce the threat terrorism posed to the American homeland. And we were continuously told that Saddam Hussein was actively seeking to attack America. He was developing weapons of mass destruction. Now make no mistake, Saddam Hussein, really bad dude. So I guess we must just go in and kill him. I mean, he was a bad dude. So we killed him. And then what happened? Well, what followed were years of sectarian violence and insurgency from the Iraqi people. Guerrilla attacks, suicide bombings, and explosives took the lives of American soldiers. And then Obama came in, mismanaged it horribly as well, because on Obama's watch, this sectarian violence turned into a full-on civil war. And many of the militias started to partner with extremist groups in Syria. And then by 2014, a wonderful group called ISIS formed. So although the war in Iraq officially came to an end in 2011, the United States has continued to keep a military presence there. And due to the spread of ISIS, we launched more military actions, and now we still have active duty in Iraq, 16 years later and eight years after the whole affair in that sordid nation was supposed to be done for. Does that sound like it's going well to you so far? No, it's going like crap is the answer. Taking out Saddam Hussein turned out to be a miserable disaster. It destabilized the region, and that is why we still have to have our troops there who are able to be killed by Iran because of a bunch of incompetent military experts who have made mistakes every step of the way. Tell me, where is the example in history where taking out a leader has added more stability? When has that ever happened? Taking out Muammar Gaddafi ended up to be an enormous disaster, but our leaders, they don't see it that way. No, they see it very differently. Hillary Clinton, she's proud of what she accomplished there, which is just more death and destruction. We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Chilling. As recently as the last election, she defended what she did in Libya as smart power at its best. The Obama regime with Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State insisted that Gaddafi was a threat that needed to be taken out. Forces organized by Obama, Hillary Clinton, and NATO resulted in the Libyan leaders' death. Publicly, the US played down its role. Remember, remember we were told, oh, we're just, quote, leading from behind. But make no mistake about it, the U.S. under the Obama regime played a crucial role along with his advisor, Samantha Power, and Susan Rice. Gaddafi was murdered, and Libya, which was prospering, fell into chaos, completely devoid of rule of law or a functional police force even, but rather thugs who brutally silenced anyone who opposed them. It's a mess. And yet those in the media tried to portray this as some great success. His passing means that the Libyans can move beyond uh, this trauma to begin to reconstruct. And that's really uh, a turning point for the entire region. Oh, yeah. A turning point. A turning point into what? A turning point into basically a civil war. And let's not forget a little event known as what was that? What was? Oh, yeah. Benghazi. 
That happened. Oh, but I thought everything was going great in the region. Smart power at its best. Uh Uh-huh. You have to wonder, is this what these people want? These people who are pushing for war, you have to wonder, is it because they are trying to appease certain interests, whether it's allegiances America has to certain nations in the region, or maybe it's personal favors for people like the Clintons? You have to wonder, why? Why do we continue to employ the same tactics when they have proven time and time again to not be effective? When's the last time a preemptive killing of a leader led to peace and less conflict? I'll wait. No one thinks that it's a tragedy that Soleimani died. It's about the broader implication about killing a world leader. So what will the ramifications of this killing be? I really don't know. And I honestly don't think anybody does. It could be nothing. In which case, great. If that's the case, huge win for Trump. But is there the possibility of attacks on America? I can't answer that. Some guesses are probably better than others, and perhaps that will be our next guest, who is Jesse Kelly, and he'll be coming up momentarily. But I can't imagine, I really can't imagine diplomatic avenues are going to now be more successful now that we have killed Iran's major general. You have to imagine now diplomacy is off the table. So what comes when you can no longer exercise diplomacy? Of course, the answer is the military. Now, does this mean World War III? Calm down, all right? Calm down, internet. You can have military action and not World War III. You can have military action and not war. But at the end of the year, Trump had ordered a withdrawal of troops from northern Syria. Trump had announced the withdrawal of about 4,000 troops from Afghanistan. And then, Happy New Year, surprise, Trump sending 3,000 more troops to the Middle East amid Iran escalation. We were told our troops are finally leaving that region. We were told our troops were finally leaving Iraq. Surprise, it was just a mistake. They sent the letter by mistake, it wasn't signed. Remember this. Remember just about a year ago, Trump looked the American people in the eye and told them this. Great nations do not fight endless wars. After two decades of war, the hour has come to at least try for peace. And we sincerely do hope that these endeavors in the Middle East are in pursuit of that aim and not counter to it due to the influence of others around Trump who crave war. So on one side, you've got World War III is coming because Trump killed Soleimani. And then you've got Trump is the most skilled military strategist since Douglas MacArthur. Yeah, you know what? Most people don't know jack squat about what they're talking about on this subject. That's why I've just said, I don't know. I don't know, that's not allowed in this industry, but, but face it, none of the people who are talking know what they're talking about. None of this is simple. And the people who sit in their leather-bound chairs and say they have all the answers are lying. 
But today's guest actually has deployed to Iraq and knows the consequences of the decisions that are being made. Jesse Kelly, a Marine Corps veteran and host of The Jesse Kelly Show on iHeartRadio joins me now. Jesse, great to see you, man. You too, my brother. So is World War III beginning because of this assassination, as they say, on Soleimani? No, no. Look, I, honestly, it, it's not more complicated than this. The bottom line is the guy was provoking us continuously. And when they attacked our embassy, and I realized they didn't do much to our embassy, but they still violated our national sovereignty. They threw Molotov cocktails in there. But the, the part that nobody's talking about, about that whole embassy thing was they advertised that it was them. They did it in broad daylight. They had official Iranian government guys in the crowd snapping selfies with people like it was Instagram, basically giving us the double middle finger. And you can't, as a superpower, as any country, you can't allow them to do that. And they've been provoking us and provoking us and provoking us. So we had to respond. We knew for a fact Soleimani was responsible for so many deaths during the Iraq war. Now he's doing all this. You have to send a message to them. But look, Iran's military is 2%. Their spending is 2% of what ours is. There's not going to be some conventional war or something like that. They just don't have the resources to do it. Iran, as you had said, they're taking credit for it, which is interesting because the previous attacks over the summer, uh, you know, in Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, they did not take credit for it. And uh, do you have any insight as to why they would all of a sudden say, yeah, this was us versus uh, versus earlier, a couple months ago when when they denied it. And we had our leaders saying, no, we know it's Iran for sure. We're not going to show you the evidence. We're not going to explain to you why. But just trust us. It's definitely Iran doing this. And people like me were saying, well, you know, can we have uh, conclusive proof that it actually was Iran before we actually uh, take any military action on them? It has to do with their position in Iraq, to be honest with you. That's the only reason Iran would would organize a protest like that and then come out and tell everybody, hey, this is us. Everyone see it's us that we're doing it because there's a big Shia versus Sunni you know, argument in Iraq, frankly, and everywhere there's a Muslim country. Those two groups hate each other. Iran is obviously Shia. Iran wants to run Iraq as if Iraq's its vassal state. It looks like that's the way Iraq's going now. So if you're Iran and you you want to come take a pee on the walls of the American embassy and let everybody know you're doing it. You're doing it to show Iraq, look how strong we are. Look what we can do to America. And that's all it was. It was a flag for Iraq saying, hey, you hitched your rag into the right people. And Iraq didn't. Does anybody know what Soleimani was doing in Iraq? I saw one person say he is on vacation in Iraq. And, um, you know, I hear it's, it's beautiful there this time of year. I don't know what he would be doing there. You've been. I mean, can you is, is that the place where you, you know, you take your winter solstice? I mean, your yes, vacation. Yes. You know, ever since the last time I was in Baghdad, I've been dying to go back. It's such a beautiful place. I will tell you. Now, look, the bottom line is we don't know what he was doing here and we'll never know. The guy was the head of a secretive military force. We will never know. It died with him. Now he's a can of SpaghettiOs and we'll never know what it is. And that's fine. But the point is, John, we don't need to know. We do know this. I mean, these these facts are unarguable. He slaughtered his own people. He's killed and maimed several U.S. soldiers. I believe the number is about 600. If you see somebody in the VA missing limbs, there's a chance they did that under the guidance of Soleimani. This is a bad human being. And there's no indication right now that this is going to lead to war. There's absolutely none. You have Iran, you know, saber rattling, but they can't do anything significant. So other than the media, 
media uh, mourning Soleimani as if he's some lion. This, this is not going anywhere right now. It hasn't gone anywhere. Iran hasn't retaliated. Iran hasn't done anything. Um, and if they don't, I mean, that's a clear win for us, is it not? I mean, if Iran doesn't retaliate, if Iran doesn't do anything, um, I think we won this round. Oh, there's no question we won. And here's the here's the thing. If you want to look at it from Iran's point of view, they're signaling that they know they're in a bad spot. And this is what I mean by that. Of course, CNN had to give a sit down interview to the new military commander of Iran, which I mean, who wouldn't give up a propaganda interview to the enemy? But all that aside, during that interview, instead of the normal, you know, we are the best, we're Iran, we're going to kill everyone's stuff. The guy was saying things like, well, we're not going to attack civilian targets. We'll attack a couple military targets and and the united states really should leave it alone after that that's not a signal that you're a country that that thinks it's in a position of strength they know they're in deep trouble and like i mentioned about the naval power that means cruise missiles the bottom line is all these generals who are putting their heads together as we speak thinking about how to hit us they know for a fact we can park a a cruise missile in their cereal bowl every single morning and that is a consideration nobody wants to get blown up you've got the docile iranian leader and then you've got trump on the other hand who's like we're gonna go after your cultural sites we're gonna go after whatever we need to do and i mean it just shows the contrast and it just shows that there's no contest when it comes to america versus iran however i do worry about i i i I do wonder what the um what the purpose was exactly because taking out taking out saddam hussein um bad dude of course i don't think anyone would deny that but uh, I don't know if anyone would say that's going swimmingly still. And there's been a lot of lives that have been lost because Saddam Hussein was a bad dude. We saw Gaddafi. That didn't exactly work out well. Um, is it a good military strategy to just go picking off the bad guys? Again, not mourning the guy's death. I, yeah. I don't think anyone is. But is the uh, argument that he's an evil dude and a bad guy who has, yes, in fact, killed hundreds of Americans is that enough to send uh, a, a drone strike and take out the guy? Are, are we going to just go into countries and take out bad people? Well, it's more than a military strategy. And by the way, that's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. But I'm telling you right now, killing Soleimani was is infinitely makes infinitely more sense than taking out Saddam ever did. Invading Iraq and taking out Saddam, who posed no threat to us whatsoever. I mean, look, however people feel about that war, Saddam Hussein posed no threat to us. We're still stuck in Iraq to this day. This is way different in that Soleimani is currently, or I should say was, currently attacking United States bases in United States soldiers. We have Iranian rockets that are being fired at our bases. We, they just killed an American contractor over there. This is not a guy who who did things in the past and did things to his people. So you know what? Screw it. Let's kill him. He was currently doing it, actively doing it all over Iraq because I get, again, Iraq, Iran sees Iraq as easy pickings right now. They think they have Iraq in their back pocket. So Soleimani's been more and more aggressive against our people there. And look, as a nation, forget about militarily. As a nation, you cannot stand for somebody attacking your people because if you stand for it, if you let Soleimani do it in Iraq, then what you're doing is telling every scumbag across the world, oh, you can kill an American citizen or two. That's no big deal. And you can't allow that to happen. It's not fair to your people. Yeah, there's no way you can't attack. And I don't know why we have that embassy. I don't know why Congress continues to approve the funds. I don't know what it's doing there. It's an embassy. But 
you can't attack it and then just sit back and say, oh, you know, well, we, we're, trying to, we're trying to leave the region, so we're just going to let you do it. So I understand the retaliation completely. Uh, I, the only thing I wonder about is whether taking out um, a giant nation like Iran, which I think is, is one of the biggest nations in the Middle East, just simply size-wise, um, taking out their number two leader um, was the right response. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know. You know that's, what, that's why I'm asking. Oh, well, I, I'm the biggest believer in the world of disproportionate responses. The answer to your question is, yes, it was it was not in proportion in any way. But that this whole, you know, while you you only hit when you when someone hits you first or, or, or make sure you escalate force, that's stuff that exists only in the movies. And that stuff mothers teach their kindergartners. It's completely wrong. If you're getting in a fight with somebody and you know it's inevitable, you hit first and you hit hard. And if they if they touch you, you destroy them so they don't want to touch you again. No, it's not proportional. We took out the guy who was in charge of them attacking us currently in Iraq. It's not more complicated than that. It is a big step. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it's nothing. It is a very big step. But Iran has precious few uh, ability, has precious little ability at this point in time to come back at us. So at this point, until I see what their response is, it sure seems like the right step. You've been one of the bigger voices, particularly of the veterans that I follow on Twitter, um, about non-interventionalism and actually getting out of the region. Um, and as someone who had deployed to Iraq and who is now arguing that that war is uh, you know, pointless uh, and what the hell are we still doing there, how does that feel to have participated in that war now knowing that uh, it could have just been a giant ass blunder? Life's hard. You know, I mean, that's all there is to it. It's this life, this life will kick you around sometimes. It's not the end of the world. It's not something I dwell on. The truth of the matter is American foreign policy for 40, 50 years has been run by know-nothing morons and defense contractors. That's just all there is to it. And I'm not one of these, you know, give peace a chance hippies where I feel like there's never a military response warranted. That's, that's absolutely absurd. But you look at what we've done, what we've actually accomplished in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's been a complete and utter failure. There there are generals and politicians and presidents who should be hanging their heads in shame this day for the way they've wasted precious American lives and precious American dollars. But I don't I don't dwell on it, man. I, I, I did what I volunteered to do. Happy to do it. Happy for my brothers that came home in one piece. And look, life goes on. Life's good. I can't complain. We appreciate your service, Jesse. Thank you. You bet, brother. All right, Jesse Kelly, everyone. Jesse Kelly Show on iHeartRadio. Thanks for watching. Remember, the White House Brief can be downloaded as a podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Thanks for watching, everyone, and we will see you soon. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it, and if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.